Hare Krishna. Good morning, everyone. We welcome everybody to join us this morning at the Srimad Bhagavatam Discourse here in Dallas, Texas. Radhakalachanji Dam. We're very happy that those of you who are listening in online by telephone or radio can join us this morning, spend a little time with us. A lot of emphasis is placed on hearing and thinking about philosophy in the morning to get your day going right. This is Rupanagadas joining you. We appreciate the fact that everyone is here in the temple compound doing their devotional service. And that those of you who are not here, you're out doing your devotional service elsewhere in the form of raising money for your families and for the temple. And we thank you for that. It's a very wonderful thing to perform one's duty, even though nobody else might happen to notice. Before we begin our discourse this morning, as we usually do, we'll have an invocation to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We invite everybody to join us in chanting, Jai Sri Radha Madhava. Jaya Radha Madhava Gunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Gunja Bihari Jai Gopi Janavala Bhagirivada Dari Jai Gopi Janavala Bhagirivada Dari Yashuranandana Bhajajana Ranjana Yashuranandana Bhajajana Ranjana Yamunatira Bhandachari Yamuna Tida Vanachari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Nitai Gaur Premananda Hari Hari Bo Jayom Vishnupad Paramahamsa Paribhijaka Charja Hasto Tarasata Sri Srimad's Divine Loving Grace Apoye Charanalavinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Shila Prabhupada Ki 
ชีรูปชีสนาตันบัตรรากนาชีจีวกพาลบัตรดาสรากนาชัดโกสามิปบุกีนามาชาร์จชีลหาริราสตาคูรกีเพรมจิโกชีคริชนาจัยตันพระบ
Once again, evam evam janmani karmani ya kartur ajanasya cha varnayanti smakavayo Vairaguyani Hritpate. Sam, you want to chant the verse this morning? Yeah. Evam Janmani Karmani. Yakatora Janasyacha. Varnayanti svakavayo Veda Janani Hati Pitcha Veda Guyani Ritpati. All right, very good, Sam. Now, word for word translations. Evam, Evam thus, thus Janmani, Janmani birth, birth Karmani. Activities. Activities. He, he certainly, certainly. A, kartu a kartu of the inactive, a janasya of the unborn, cha and varnayanti describe, sma in the past, kabaya. The learned, Veda Guyani, undiscoverable by the Vedas, Hritpate, of the Lord of the Heart. Very good, Samuel. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Thus, learned men describe the births and activities of the unborn and inactive, which is undiscoverable even in the Vedic literatures. He is the Lord of the heart. Repeat with me. Thus, learned men describe the births and activities of the unborn and inactive which is undiscoverable, when it's undiscoverable even in the Vedic literatures. He is the Lord of the heart. And purport also by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Both the Lord and the living entities are essentially all spiritual. Therefore, both of them are eternal, and neither of them has birth and death. The difference is that the so-called births and disappearances of the Lord are unlike those of the living beings. The living beings who take birth and then again accept death are bound by the laws of material nature. But the so-called appearance and disappearance of the Lord are not actions of material nature, but are demonstrations of the internal potency of the Lord. They are described by the great sages for the purpose of self-realization. 
It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita by the Lord that his so-called birth in the material world and his activities are all transcendental. And simply by meditation on such activities, one can attain realization of Brahman and thus become liberated from material bondage. In the Shrutis, it is said that the birthless appears to take birth. The birthless appears to take birth. The Supreme has nothing to do, but because he is omnipotent, everything is performed by him naturally, as if done automatically. As a matter of fact, the appearance and disappearance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his different activities are all confidential. Even to the Vedic literatures, Yet they are displayed by the Lord to bestow mercy upon the conditioned souls. We should always take advantage of the narrations of the activities of the Lord, which are meditations on Brahman in the most convenient and palatable form. This is the last sentence I'll read once again. We shall always we should always take advantage of the narrations of the activities of the Lord which are meditations on Brahman in the most convenient and palatable form. Om Jnana Timirandasya Gyanangana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Dena Tasmai Shri Gurave Shri Chaitanya Marobishtam Sapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupakada Maya Dadati Swabarantikam Bandeham Shri Goro Shri Dutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavam Cha Shri Rupam Sagrajattam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savaduttam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakan Vitamscha He Krishna Karana Sando Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakanchana Gurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpata Rubyascha Kripasandubya Evacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namah Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Karadhar Sri Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Gantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Good morning so an interesting text we have here today. And as Mother uh, uh, Jai Shirate was saying yesterday or day before, was it yesterday Mother Jai Shirate was here? Yeah, she was saying that sometimes she reads the verse for the next day, the one that she's going to be speaking on, and she reads the purport. 
and she tries to formulate some ideas in her mind what she's going to speak of. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's sometimes a challenge uh, for us who are maybe not as, as brilliant as the speaker of the Bhagavatam here, the one who speaks to us in English, Shil Prabhupada, because we don't have the intelligence and we don't have the spiritual qualifications of him. Sometimes we just have to do our best uh, to present some ideas that uh, appear in the purport and see if we can talk a little bit about them and help others who are listening in to get some spiritual reinforcement for the day. So today I'd like to be I'd like to speak about Krishna's playing in his own material energy. Hare Krishna. So we know that source the source of all the ingredients in the material world are the supreme personality of Godhead. Because according to our literatures and according to the the saintly persons who propagate those literatures all over the world, um, the Supreme Lord is the source of everything that is. Before there was anything in this material world, he was there. Um, And so uh, um, maybe some of you are familiar with the, uh, the old saying that when, when uh, Moses uh, of the Israelite people, when he was the leader and when he was told by God to go before the king, the Egyptian king, and uh, tell him that uh, the instruction was to free the people of Israel who had been in captivity for some time and doing the work of the Egyptian king, the Egyptian rulers, and so uh, Moses asked, well, who, who shall I say is, is sending me? And, and the Lord said, tell them that I am has sent you. I am that I am. And so that's not a very, uh, that's not a very full description of the Supreme Lord. And we know that uh, even in his, um, in his appearances as Lord Vishnu, he has at least 1,000 names by which he is known. And those of you might have heard the recitation of the Sri Vishnu Sahasranam, the, the recitation of the 1,000 names of Lord Vishnu. And so this is not even the original personality of Godhead, but rather his expansions. And so his first expansion uh, as Lord Vishnu is that of Karanadakshayi Vishnu. And, and, and this, is the, this, this is the huge form who lies down on the causal ocean, which separates the spiritual world from the material world, it is said. And on that ocean then, uh, from the pores of his body come unlimited numbers of universes, all of which are filled with unlimited numbers of planets on which are living unlimited numbers of living entities known as the jiva souls. So we understand then that Lord Krishna is the original source of all the ingredients of the material world. In other words, those ingredients are nothing more than 
uh, different uh, varieties uh, that are produced by his energy, his, his what we call material energy. Uh, but really, there is no, nothing material about the Supreme Lord. In other words, even the material energy is coming from someone who is spiritual. And so to say the material energy then is to say this is the portion of Krishna's energy, his spiritual energy, which has been designated to be material because when the jiva souls come into this material world and accept a material body, this is the portion of his energy that they can perceive with their five senses. So that's the material energy of the Supreme Lord. And it's, and it's an amazing thing, this material energy, even on this one small planet and one small universe. Uh, we see that Krishna is, is supplying through his energy, what we call his material energy, he is supplying the soil, and the soil for, is for growing plants and for use in building structures and for use in making various implements of different kinds, such as the uh, the ingredients that we know as titanium, which is used a lot in the airplane industry. Steel is used in, in building great tall skyscraper buildings. And gold is, is found in very tiny quantities quite often in places like our, our state of Alaska, in which people will go up there and work, you know, for a full three months' time, enduring so many hardships, just to procure a few ounces of the stuff that we call gold. So uh, this material world, this earth planet, is providing all kinds of ingredients that we use in our daily lives. And it's amazing. And everything that we need to get by in this world is provided by the soil in, uh, the soil in, this, in this earth. He also appears as, uh, Krishna appears as the sun in the form of the sun god, Surya Narayan. And for and we're we're indebted to the sun for providing us warmth and light, and it gives us gives gives us the ingredients by which we can see other material objects in this material world, including our own bodies. So we're able to see because he appears, he comes into this dark universe, and 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 uh, as the sun god. And he provides the light of the sun by day and then the, the light of the moon by night. Some people say that this, the moon is, is, uh, is simply reflecting the rays of the sun. Other people say that uh, in the scriptures it is said that the moonlight is provided by uh, the grass, the kusha, is the kusha grass that is, uh, that is illuminating the surface of the moon, the moon being one of our uh, celestial planets on which the demigods are said to have their existence. And so we've got the soil, we've got the light from the sun, Krishna supplies water, and in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that I am the taste of water. And of course, we don't find much water nowadays that tastes really good, but if you've been out in the countryside and you find a place where a spring is coming from the base of a tree or coming out of some rocks, and you taste it, 
that water actually has flavor. And that flavor then is, Krishna says, I am that flavor, that taste. Water we use for drinking and cleaning and combining with other kinds of ingredients to form all kinds of delicious foodstuffs. Water's used, it's, so we've got the soil, we've got the sun, we've got water, and then he also manifests himself in the air that we use for, use for breathing. And uh, as, as the, the scientists and the industrialists have found out, air has many different components, and those can be separated from the oxygen that we breathe. And and we're we're uh, and and we take into our bodies. That's that's the that's the element of the air that we can use to keep our bodies sustained. And and then there are other elements in there: hydrogen, helium, uh, different kinds of gases, argon, that are used for that are used for manufacturing various things. So Krishna has has given us in this material world the most marvelous kinds of things to work with. And if if we don't know anything about the one whose energy is, is supplying all these, these ingredients, we think that, well, this is just an ordinary, mundane place to be. And there's nothing unusual about it. We go up and scoop up a hand of dirt. I was out at uh, Radhanath Prabhu's farm yesterday, and we were doing some things out there, splitting some wood and, and gathering some, getting some, uh, uh, some soil, which is made up of, of a composted cow manure and horse manure. And I brought a couple of bags of that to use in our garden here in the town. Uh, but but those are such wonderful things that, that Krishna has provided for us here in this world. Then Krishna himself, besides providing all these material ingredients, he he comes himself in different forms and performs different kinds of activities. For example, he may appear in the in different animal species, as we know quite well by the Dash avatars. He comes as a tortoise. He comes as a horse. He comes as as um, as a, in the form of surabi cows. Although that's not considered necessarily uh, one of his forms that he takes for his activities, but still he provides those bodies in this material world. Comes in different species, and he shows his opulences in those forms, and and in the forms of human beings, he also sometimes comes. He might take his uh, take his birth and become King Indra who is the king of the heavenly planets. And he might come as Lord Kapil and teach philosophy. And, uh, and then sometimes he comes as Lord Ramchandra, and he shows people what the ideal king is like in this material world and how people have to live under such a godly king. Well, it's God himself, Lord Ramchandra. But those persons who follow in the footsteps of Lord Ramchandra are considered to be godly kings, or Rajarishis, or Rajarshis. And so he shows off his opulences in those forms, and he even uh, presents the, the, those who are demoniac, the living souls who come into this world under the influence of, of his material energy. Uh, he gives them a body that is sometimes amazing to behold. 
And and uh, Krishna book, which is a condensation of the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam, has many of those forms described. Putana, the witch, and Agasura, the the giant snake. And and then there's the wind god who comes, and the, and then there are demons uh, who who take the form of a hur- a hurricane or a tornado, and 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 then there are those souls then that are uh, like Hiranyakashipu who are actually servants of the Supreme Lord in the spiritual world. He and Hiranyaksha, his brother, who came in this world to. Help the Lord uh, show his his own opulences and to demonstrate the pastimes that the Lord can can exhibit while he when he comes into this material world. So different animal species, and then he comes into in his own forms and and those of his enemies. And but his his purpose in coming uh, himself into this world is to enliven his devotees and to protect them. And we might think, well, why should his devotees need protecting? If God is in control of everything, then why is it that his devotees should need protection? But sometimes Krishna facilitates the desires of certain living entities who want to lord it over everything and and wants to cause whatever harm is necessary to the other living entities just to please themselves. And so those personalities then, uh, he, he shows how uh, that um, when, he, when he sends these living entities or when he empowers these living entities to do the very heinous deeds that they perform, we see that one of the purposes for his doing so is not only to show his own opulences, but to provide protection. To, In other words, to curb the ego sometimes, especially of the demigods who are so powerful that if they don't have any personal experience with the Supreme Lord, they might even get to the point of thinking that I am the greatest person in this entire universe. And so Krishna has to curb their pride too. Because what is... Why does he want to curb the pride of those personalities? And, of course, we understand that they're jiva souls just as we are. And they have come from the the spiritual world, and Krishna wants them back in the spiritual world just as he wants us to come back. So when he he awards them the positions of of powerful, uh, you know, lords of the of the universe they think of themselves as lords of the universe and occasionally just as we had in this past century there were several dictators of countries who thought that they were so powerful and that that uh, and of course we understand that krishna empowers those living entities just as he sometimes empowers his devotees to do wonderful things except they're not so wonderful when when he's empowering the demons so we might we might ask the question and people do ask the question if god is in control of everything and god is good then how is it that he causes some persons some jiva souls who are just like us he empowers them and he even orchestrates the damage that they cause to other people, the harm they cause to other people, and the harm they cause to the planet itself. So we see ever since this nation 
has has taken birth, which has been about two hundred and some odd years ago, uh, that that almost the entire time of its existence, it has been in one conflict, military conflict after another, and so we understand. If we have a little bit of knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, we know that Krishna can supply all of the the motivation even and the energy and all the resources to certain of certain of these persons that they can accomplish amazing things which are destructive and they can cause harm and suffering to all kinds of living entities within this world. So he would do that. He sometimes uh, bewilders uh, other people into thinking that they are the most important people in the entire universe, and they're the most powerful, and they have the most influence, and they have the most wealth. He lets them think that. And then after, after they cause a certain amount of destruction, which is meant to turn the heads of, of his devotees back toward him, toward Krishna, uh, that after he allows this to happen, then he simply annihilates them. And we see that that happens not only uh, at Krishna's own hands, but also at the hands of those who are also thinking that they are powerful in this world. So it's, it's, uh, we've seen that since the, this age began that there is so much uh, discomfort, so much pain and suffering, and that, uh, you know, we, we just it, find it very difficult to understand how a just and loving God could cause people to suffer. But we understand also that Krishna doesn't cause his devotee to suffer unless he has a particular purpose to perform with his devotee. So we, we have seen that in those of us who have read about how Srila Prabhupada came to this country in 1965, he underwent so many privations, so much difficulty in trying to get this Hare Krishna movement started. And, and uh, it, so Krishna allowed that to happen. And why? So that we wouldn't think that Prabhupada was just dropped out of the spiritual world and given all facilities, and he had no problems. He just just started passing out his books right and left, met no obstacles. No, it wasn't like that at all. Krishna showed us, and in the person of Jesus Christ, we saw the same thing. He came trying to do good for other people, just as Srila Prabhupada has done. And yet, and yet he had to suffer so much at the hands of those persons who were very envious of him, even though he himself was not envious of anyone. And so we see that with the representatives that Krishna sends into this world. Uh, he gives them some facility, uh, depending on their level of surrender to him, their level of dedication to the work, that was begun by him and his form as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu 500 years ago. And we see that if, if they just persist, as Srila Prabhupada persisted, that eventually he's going to glorify his devotees and he's going to give them uh, success to the extent that they had, they, perhaps they had no idea themselves that they could accomplish that. But Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada, had an idea that even when he was here in New York City sitting on the park bench, 
he had an idea that he, he expressed to a, a, a very fortunate person who just happened to wander in and sit down beside him. He expressed to him that we have temples all over the planet. And so this is an amazing thing that Krishna would give him the vision to see that if he just persisted and, and, and had tenacity, that he could accomplish what Lord Chaitanya had begun and what Lord Krishna wanted him to accomplish. So these are, are amazing things that happen with both the devotees of Krishna and with sometimes with demoniac personalities whom Krishna empowers to spread suffering and, and misery all over the world. So when Krishna comes in the form of a human being, he shows people how to be happy, he, like Lord, Lord Ramchandra did. Um, uh, throughout the world, uh, which Lord Ramchandra was ruling over, uh, people were honestly happy at the time. And and uh, and since that time, uh, the representatives of Krishna who have come have also shown people, this is what you need to do to become happy. You need to give up something that you're doing now because it will lead only to misery and suffering. And so one of the, one of the concepts that he gives to his representative to, en, to enlighten the living entity is to teach them what their real identity is. Because they are thinking that they are nothing more than this body, which is made of material stuff, and which turns back into material stuff after the living entity leaves the body. And so to keep the people from feeling all discouraged, thinking that this is, a, this is my only time around, and this is my one opportunity to become happy, and at the end of this lifetime, I, I will no longer exist. No, it's not like that at all. So because the living entity has come into this world, taken the material body, taken the subtle coverings of mind, intelligence, and ego, uh, because of that, then Krishna has to come and remind them who they are. And he does that. He reminds us who we are. And this is one of the teachings that we receive from Srila Prabhupada. So instructing about the purpose of this material world, Srila Prabhupada had to come and tell us what, what it is we're supposed to be doing in this material world. <clears throat> and and, uh, and what, is this, what are all these material ingredients to be used for? Uh, one person uh, back in the state of Mississippi from which I came said one time I heard him say that uh, uh, these these Indians who were here, he's talking about the Native Americans, he said they had all these resources available and they did nothing with them. And it took us, meaning European white skin type persons, it took us coming over here to show them how to use all these ingredients. And, of course, this is kind of humorous in a way because it's, such an, it's a misunderstanding of the purpose of this material world and what it's intended for. So he comes into this material world to, to instruct us, to tell us who we are, and then he, he wants to attract our minds back to him. Because we're so much attracted to this phantasmagoria of little bits and pieces of pleasures, like, just like those miners or those uh, those gold the gold diggers 
who go to Alaska, and they're looking just for little flakes of gold that they can capture, and they can turn that into money so that they can go back richer than they came uh, and suffered all those difficulties in, in the state of Alaska just to get that little bit of gold. So Krishna has to come and show us that all of this, uh, the wealth of this material world, the wealth of this entire universe is of no value. As a matter of fact, uh, we've said before in here what we have heard someone else say, and that Srimati Radharani was asked, you know, what is the most valuable thing in this material world? And what did she say? Suffering. Because it's only when we suffer enough do we begin then to ask questions which are typical questions for the human being. Otherwise, unless, the, unless we ask those questions about who are we, where do we come from, what are we supposed to be doing here, unless we ask those questions, we're no more than the animals. We're called dvipatapasyu, two-legged animals. And that's what we are because we're doing exactly what the animals do. We're working hard to supply our families with food and clothing and shelter and also to give ourselves position in society. We see that even the animals want position in their society, especially among the males. You know, they fight with each other and they, and they do everything they can to, be, to show that they're strong and that they can overcome all obstacles. And so a Krishna has to come into this world and remind us that this is not the place that we're supposed to be. And forget having a few billion dollars. Uh, uh, forget being able to influence the, all the political and financial affairs of this entire planet. Even if you have that kind of power, forget it. It's worth less. Your suffering is worth more than all of those advantages, all of the wealth is worth. The suffering is worth more than that. So we, we read in this, in this purport today the very last sentence, and I'll read it once again. We should always take advantages, advantage of the narrations of the activities of the Lord, which are meditations on Brahman in the most convenient and palatable form. So even though this entire material manifestation is part of Krishna's energy, even though Krishna appears in many forms when he comes to bring this, you know, bring our, uh, try to bring us back to the spiritual world, even though he does that, still uh, this form that he has come in in his original personal form 5,000 years ago as Krishna himself, is what I think is being referred to here in this, in, in this uh, um, uh, purport of Srila Prabhupada as his most convenient and palatable form. Convenient meaning it, it is so easy to access this form of Krishna, even though it may take us a lifetime or maybe even more than a lifetime Still, it, the, it, the method has had been made so simple for this age that we're in by Krishna when he came in his form as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He said, all you have to do is to chant, chant my names, and then offer some, a little bit of service to me, to me whatever, you, whatever you can do. In other words, focus your attention on me. Because not because I'm envious like other people are and and want all the attention, 
but rather because I am the one who can grant you relief from your suffering. I'm the one that can grant you beautiful pastimes in the spiritual world. All you have to do is turn your head around, look at me, and do what I ask you to do, which is simply chant my names. Hare Krishna, Hare Rama. Those three names, Hare, which means the energy of the Lord, embodied by Srimati Radharani. Krishna means he who is all attractive. And Rama means he's the reservoir of pleasure for his devotees. So if by chanting those three names, one can, uh, one can achieve the, the, uh, the kingdom from which we have come, the kingdom which we gave up so many years ago, we, we can once again return to that kingdom. And how does Krishna show his attractive nature? By becoming a baby and playing in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj and infatuating all of the cowherd ladies, including his mother Yashoda, with his childhood pastimes, just like the, we, we've just now finished the season of Kartik, the mother Kartik. And and we came each night and offered our Damodarastikam prayers to Lord Damodar, the baby form of Krishna. And then we see that Krishna also, uh, he stays on the planet and he grows, apparently, grows into a budding youth. And he is the most beautiful person. So whenever we say those two mantras, Hey Krishna Karanasindo, Dinabando, Jagatpate, Gopesha, Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta, Namostate, and then the other one, uh, uh, what is it? Taptakan Chanagorangi, Radhe Vrindavanishri, Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Aribhya. Whenever I chant those two mantras, I, I, I just imagine this beautiful form of this youth. This, uh, what, what is he's described as the dusky youth who has a, who has a dark, beautiful, bluish, blackish body and he's performing all kinds of wonderful pastimes and Srimati Radharani, the golden-bodied one who is the most beautiful woman that we could, as a matter of fact, we can't even imagine a, a person being as beautiful as Shivati Radharani is. So he comes and he displays this beauty of their youthfulness, and he exhibits his power and his mysticism uh, in, in fighting with the demons and in supplying beautiful, wonderful things for his devotees. And um, probably most importantly of all, he becomes the most loving and interesting of friends, as, as was experienced by the five Pandava brothers. He was there, he played the part, Krishna played the part of their cousin, and, 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 and he had, uh, they were so much dedicated to him uh, that my spiritual master at one time said, you know, what I admire the most about the Pandavas, and I thought he was going to tell about how, how tall and muscular and strong and chatria they were and, and how, how loving they were and how all the people of the kingdom loved them. But he said, what, what I like most about, this is tomorrow Krishna Goswami speaking, what I admire most about the Pandavas is their dutifulness 
that in spite of being put into so many difficult positions, and these are eternal associates of the Lord. If, if, you, heard, if you have read about the pastimes of the, that are shown in the, that are given in the Mahabharat, you find out that uh, the, the five Pandava brothers and their, and their surviving mother, Kunti, uh, had to undergo all kinds of difficulties in their lifetimes. And to them, they just accepted it all as fun and pleasure. And so we see this is the kind of person that Krishna is. He wants his devotees to be pleased. He wants them to have fun in this material world. He wants every, he wants them to use all of the facilities in this material world uh, just to, uh, to enjoy themselves and also to show others how they can enjoy themselves by simply accepting Krishna as the Supreme Lord and the supplier of all of these ingredients that he's given us. So not only does he give us the material world to come and play in, but he also gives us other living entities around us that we can we can have as our friends, some who pose themselves as our enemies, and he gives us the means by which we can live a very peaceful and satisfying and happy existence in this world. But ultimately, he's shown us, as he did in the lives of the Pandavas, that ultimately you have to give it all up. Because this is not your eternal home. So just as he took the Pandavas, just as he took all of the Yadu dynasty back with him to the spiritual world uh, at the Battle of Kurukshetra, so he's going to be taking us back, those of us who are devoted to him. He's going to be taking us back after we have lived our lives of of satisfying service to the Supreme Lord. He'll take us, come and take us back with him to that spiritual world. And if we still desire to stay in this material world because we're still too much attracted to it, he will also give us that as an option. He will allow us to stay in this material world for as many lifetimes as we want to stay, taking birth in in each one of the 8,400,000 species of life and suffering tremendously but getting a little bit of pleasure until we come back to the human form of life, and then we can realize once again where it is we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing and who we are. So uh, Krishna does care about us. He comes, he sends his own representatives, and therefore uh, those of us who have had our eyes open just a little bit, you know, like Om Magyana Timidandasya, uh, those of us who have had our eyes opened a little bit and can see what the purpose of life is supposed to be, then we can engage ourselves in serving that Supreme Lord. And what does he want the most from us? Just to get everybody else out of this rotten material world and back into the spiritual world where we can wake up and suddenly we see all of these people around us that we left before to come into this material world just because we were curious and we had a desire to be a little bit like Krishna ourselves. He gave us that opportunity. Then he comes, he wakes us up again and says, Hey, uh, 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 you, this, is not, uh, this is not the place for you. 
you, you this this Kalindi Davy, this body that you got is giving you so many problems in this lifetime, and everything associated with it is giving you problems. So I want to take you back. I want you to go back with me to the place that you came from. Hare Krishna. Do we have any any comments? There's a microphone right over here beside Mother Kalindi. Nitai Charan Prabhu is going to enliven us <laughs> and enlighten us. Yes, Prabhu. Thank you for that wonderful, really wonderful lecture, Rupanuga Prabhu. I do have a question on um, suffering. Because uh, you mentioned that that was the... What's the most wonderful thing in this world? Speak a little bit louder. What's the most wonderful thing in this world? And it's suffering because by suffering we come into the question of who we are, who we are actually, and we try to find something deeper. I do have a question of that, that sometimes, you know, when we are in that position of suffering, uh, we are so deep in suffering that we are bewildered by it and because of that bewilderment or the illusion we uh, do not come into that conclusion that we should look who the supreme is and we should look who we actually are we don't get this question so um, or sometimes even as devotees we become bewildered while we are in suffering so in that situation what should we do when we are suffering. What what should a person do if he's if he's suffering so miserably? Right. Well, it's it's usually only in that position, Nitacharan uh, Prabhu, that people begin to wake up and realize that that I thought I was supposed to enjoy life when I was fifteen, sixteen years old. You know, I I thought I was the master of my own fate. I thought if I simply do what my parents have done or do what others have done, maybe my parents didn't do it, but if I simply work hard and uh, that, that somehow or other I will become successful and I'll be able to have the, the, the beautiful young girl that I have become so infatuated with or the handsome young man, uh, and, and um, this is the way life is going to be for me. And and then all of a sudden, even sometimes when they're not not out of their teens, they develop a sickness of some kind. And then this is something that, this is like the beginning of their real suffering. Now, other people might go through 60, 70 years of life with, with very little physical suffering. But still, the suffering comes in, in other forms, doesn't it? It can be mental suffering brought on or psychological suffering brought on by other people. Or it can be uh, the state of the world that we're living in that we hear about on radio and television. And we think that, oh, this is just too much. And when people get to that point, Nittai Charan Prabhu, he, they, he, you know, when a person gets to the point, he will, he will sometimes begin to ask why? Why me, Lord? And other people are saying, on the other hand, uh, like, uh, like uh, Chris Christopherson did back in the 70s, he also said, why me, Lord? What have I ever done? Uh, 
uh, to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known. So that was his perspective back then with that song. But you can be certain that even a person who sings a song like that is not always going to be happy and carefree and gay. That eventually they're going to have difficulties that are brought on to them, either by the demigods, we can say, which, you know, they're in control of the weather patterns and, and such as that. And sometimes... There are big disasters that come, and and they wipe away everything. A, a, a family has spent all of their lives trying to you know to develop so that they could have a nice peaceful life in their later years. And so sometimes, then, uh, Prabhu, this the suffering it, it it does not work that way. It just depends, I think, and just my speculation depends on on uh, how much desire they have to know why they're suffering. Uh, you know, Krishna says that there in the Bhagavad Gita there are four kinds of persons who surrender to me, and one of those four types of persons is one who is wants to get free from the suffering. Other, others uh, just accept the suffering, and they just they're like defeated by it, and they they will go to their deaths, just feeling like, oh, what a rotten life this has been. I'm so discouraged. But do they want to get out of this world? Well, sometimes they do, and it it may be too late. It may be too late for them to get out because they have spent their whole you know what, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of just performing uh, performing deeds that we understand to be sinful, such as killing other living entities in order to satisfy our taste for their flesh, their flesh and blood. So if a person goes through his entire life doing that, then it could be that at the end of their lives they're they're not going to have any spiritual realization at all. Others will will do that. You know, they will eat the flesh of other creatures their entire lives. And yet there is also some piety there. So they will practice some form of religiosity. And we have seen that ourselves. We Because we were doing that ourselves. We were a little bit pious maybe in our youth. And we saw maybe that our parents were also kind of pious. But still they performed so many activities that now from a Vedic perspective, are abominable, abominable activities. Whether it has to do with sex life or meat-eating or using intoxicants to make your body feel better. And we know, we know that, uh, you know, the drug business, the prescription drug business in this country are all over the world practically. It, it, is, it is going really good right now. The more suffering that people have to have, the more they begin to look for some form of relief. And so they find it in the form of association in having sex life with someone else or and using some intoxicant or using some prescription medicine to try to bring them relief. And, of course, as devotees, we use these things too, but we know why we're having to suffer. It's because of what we've done in the past. It's not because of anyone else. And we know that if we can get some relief by using some kind of medicine, that this is something that has been provided for us by the Supreme Lord. And, you know, we give him credit. We don't give credit 
to the big pharmaceutical companies, even though they might have been the ones to make it. Still, if Krishna had not given them the intelligence and the means for producing the drugs that we're taking to relieve our suffering some, then uh, then they would not exist as a, as a big big company. So, some t- back to your question: Why why do people uh, uh, why do they have to suffer so much that it seems that they don't get they cannot even ask the question: Why am I having suffering? Is that what you're talking about? Sometimes a person can, you know, can suffer somewhat during his entire life, and toward the end of his life, when he should be getting some spiritual realization, he might be thinking, uh, uh, he, well, he, he might get dementia and might lose the facility of his intelligence so that he can no longer ask those questions. And we have to understand this is just that what that person is deserving from the acts that he has performed during his lifetime. It's, he's under the tight influence of Krishna's material energy. So anyhow, we prefer to go directly to the source, to the person whose energy it is, and say, my Lord, thank you very much for giving me this human form of life for giving me so much facility uh, for enjoying life in this lifetime that I'm in now. Uh, tell me, how can I serve you? You've given me so much. How can I serve you now? And when we get to that point, then that's when we start to, we, 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 it's the beginning of the end of our stay in this material world. That's when we start to go back to the spiritual world from which we have come. And if we don't finish it up this lifetime, Krishna is so kind to us, he'll give us another chance. He doesn't just send us to hell to, to last, you know, to burn forever, as we've learned in, by other groups, you know, that we've been associated with. He doesn't do that. But, he, you know, he may allow us to go through some punishment, but uh, the punishment, all the punishment and suffering that we experience in this world is meant for one purpose. And that's to cause us to want to get the heck out of this material world and go back to the spiritual world. Anything? All right. So we will we will stop now. We will end and go honor the Lord in his also palatable form. And that is Prashadam. So those of you who have joined us online by telephone, radio, or internet, uh, again, let us say that we're very pleased that you were able to do so today, and we hope that something we we presented today, some ideas that we've gotten from our scriptures, uh, will be helpful to you in getting through the day. So we wish you a very good, productive Wednesday, and hope that maybe you will continue this practice, and by all means, if you have time, chant the holy names of the Lord. Hare Krishna.